I V M I V M Hello everyone this is your daily NBA podcast coming to you from Monday to Friday I'm your host Monish and as always joined by Nishant this is Triangle Offense Alright, so we had Game 3 of the NBA Finals, the first of this series to be played in Milwaukee. The Bucks finally get to play at home. Uh, and as the adage goes, no playoff series begins until the away team has its first win. Uh, well, we still don't have an away team win. Uh, but the Milwaukee Bucks took this game. What if I told you that this game was decided by one superstar's three-point shooting? and another superstar's free throw shooting and both were miserable at it and that kind of decided the fate of the game let's talk about it whether you're an established sports person or a budding one or simply a sports enthusiast join us tanvi and shlok we are two passionate pro badminton players talking policy mindset and everything sport so tune in to the millennial athlete every monday only on the ivm podcast network trust us it's going to be lit All right, so there are so many talking points in this game. The Bucks finally pull one back. It's a home win for them. They're back playing in front of their home crowd. They've pulled the series lead down to one game, so Phoenix lead 2-1, with another game to be played in Milwaukee before the series goes back to the Valley. Now, this game, among the various stats that define it and the play styles and the talking points, was a game where Devin Booker was disastrous from three. just an overall terrible shooting night and yanis was not only outstanding of the glass and by in terms of putting points on the board but he made 13 of 17 three pointers now you'd think in a game decided by yanis's free throw shooting and devin booker's three point shooting i think it's the phoenix suns that come out on top but but quite an interesting um contrast here booker had a disastrous night um but i thought the phoenix suns in general were underwhelming on offense and credit to the bucks defense credit to coach budnolson like we give him a lion share of the blame it's only fair that he gets some credit when they do well because it wasn't just that players snapped out of their funk and put up big performances it was the right play style it was uh, systematically breaking the phoenix suns down uh i mean you talk about it right? phoenix suns played the zone against the bucks not for the first time and they're not the first team to do it it's it's one of the most effective systems against yanis because you know what he's going to do the bucks pick the zone apart it's better ball movement than we've seen in this series they weren't afraid of the extra pass and then one more just to make sure uh they trusted each other through middleton they got brin forbes you know couldn't really do much but he got the ball anyway Bobby Portis was having a great shooting night. They still got got him in positions where he could put a few points on the board. And then there's Connaughton of course who pops up at opportune moments to hit big threes. They picked the Suns apart, make no mistake about it. And one of the biggest drawbacks of a zone defense is it can get picked apart by someone of the caliber of say Chris Paul or LeBron James. But the Bucks don't have anyone at that level. what they do have is fluid team ball 
stuff that we saw at the start of the season, stuff that we saw lesser and lesser of in the playoffs for, for, for no rhyme or reason. But they broke that out today. They busted out those moves and they worked. Another drawback of the zone defense, which the Suns played, which, yeah, I'm surprised it took the Bucks this long to figure out this approach. But another drawback is it doesn't give you a very good chance on rebounding. It gives the other team chances to, to pick up stuff off the offensive glass. And that's exactly what the Bucks did. Second chance points. Phoenix Suns 2, Milwaukee Bucks 20. Let me say that again. 2 to 20. The, the Suns got outscored 2 to 20 on second chance points. A lot of those came off offensive glasses. Everyone got some. Bobby Portis was in on the action. Brooke Lopez picked up a few. Uh, Giannis got a bunch. And, and they killed them on that. Which, which is another playstyle point that I want to talk about. It's unreal. It's like the Bucks only just now discovered that they have a height advantage on the Phoenix Suns. And it's double surprising because it's not just that the Bucks have played two games or that they have access to uh, like an A4 printout that tells you how tall each Suns player is. But also that there was only one... Well, okay, so the Nuggets were no match for the Suns. But the Clippers nicked a couple of games off of them. But those were largely Chris Paul just being sensational. Other than that, they didn't have size to trouble the Suns. You'll give a pass on these two series. Really, the only two games where the Suns seemed troubled in the postseason were the two games that the Lakers took off of them. What was common in both of them, other than Anthony Davis going off, Lakers played bully ball. LeBron did, AD did, Harrell, whoever they put on the court, played bully ball. Too much size for the Suns to contend. It was just eight and trying to fend them off and it's just not enough when AD is going full tilt. That should have been a cue. The Bucks have size. They have so much size. They've got Bobby Portis. They've got Lopez. They've got Giannis. Middleton's taller than anyone on the Suns' backcourt. They should have really taken them to school with size. And it finally took two defeats and uh, staring down the barrel of a, of a very unsatisfying end of season for them to realize they've got size. They kill them on rebounds, kill them on second chance points, punish them for the zone defense. Took the ball down low. Bobby Portis, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, all of them either drove at the rim with purpose or made intelligent cuts to be found by great passes from either Giannis or Drew Holiday or whoever else had the ball. They picked that zone defense apart. Then on the other end of the floor, they took Phoenix apart. They kept Devin Booker on the perimeter. He had very few chances to come in. Uh, they kept forcing turnovers and nicking the ball away, which kind of explains how they were also able to outscore the Phoenix Suns 16-6. to A lot of these came from Giannis, who, if it's a surprise at this stage to anyone, let me tell you that this is something we've known for years now. There's other stuff that Giannis has developed, but he was always a nightmare in transition to defend. There's just no way you're stopping him. It's like a young LeBron. There is nothing you can do once Giannis picks up a head of steam. Your only option, other than of course getting out of the way or just praying that he misses, is to take a charge, which is easier said than done because A, that comes with a serious risk of injury 
at least a game or two if not more and it also comes with a very low percentage reward a low percentage of reward there's a good chance it won't get called for a charge and then you're giving a free throw to Giannis which is not really that's all right that part's all right but it's a very low risk to reward proposition so you just get out of the way when Giannis is in transition they did all of that but but where I thought they really shined was they kept Chris Paul largely on the perimeter. He got a few points in the game, uh, but they kept him contained. They kept Booker on the perimeter. He was sulking in the shadows. He shot a few threes, just couldn't get anything to drop. This was a really bad night for Devin Booker. One of seven for three sh- uh, from three shooting, uh, and and not very good from from within either. He shot two of seven from within the arc for a quite abysmal three of fourteen on the night for Devin Booker. I didn't do much else, had a couple of uh, assists, a few rebounds here and there, but a very, very quiet game from him. And that's credit to the Bucks. They shut him down. Uh, they also restricted Chris Paul. It took some pretty sensational crossover moves from Chris Paul to get even a few points going. Now, he was the only one who got anything going on the Suns, other than Aiton who got some convenient feeds. Uh, but I thought they shut them down well. Uh, they also It also took... Jay Crowder shooting 6 of 7, getting hot. Might worry the Suns fans though. Throughout the postseason, we've been joking about how every series has that one Jay Crowder game where he just goes off from 3. Just catches fire and it's heat check after heat check after heat check. That game came in a 20-point defeat. What if that doesn't come again this series? That's, that's got to be troublesome. By the way, speaking of Jay Crowder... I think you should stop picking these personal battles. He's a good player. He's a 3 and D guy now and a veteran at that. And he's on a good team. So there's a good chance he'll end up on the winning side in most of these battles. Take that out of it. Individually, he's no Pippin. He's no Jordan or Kobe or Giannis or Ben Simmons, Kawhi, Paul George. He's none of those things on defense. Why in the world does he go picking battles? Like Steph Curry, where he's just going to get embarrassed. All ends up, he'll make him run circles, break an ankle, break two maybe, shoot a three, and then do a shimmy. Or like the battle he picked against LeBron. Now, you can say Jay Crowder got the last laugh. but No, he didn't. He got humiliated. He gave us a meme-worthy moment with LeBron backing him up and uh, Drummond imitating LeBron on the sidelines. You got schooled, Rado, on that one. The only reason you can say he got the last laugh is because his team won. That makes his team better. It doesn't make him anything one-on-one. And he tried it again with Giannis. He tried going ISO on Giannis. That's even more dangerous. It's one thing to say you have support, you have two or three guys walling off Giannis's driving lane to the rim. This was just straight up Crowder playing a game of strength against Giannis. Jay Crowder's a big man. Jay Crowder's strong. He's not doing shit to Giannis. Giannis ran circles around him, dunked big. Crowd got into it. Jay Crowder just gave the crowd a freebie. He should stop doing that. But he had a great shooting night. That's about the only guy who had a great shooting night on that Suns team. Now, this, all of this brings us to Coach Pudnolz. And I said we should give him some credit. Because he recognized bully ball will work, which he should have a long time ago. It was the only thing that has worked really well against Phoenix this entire offseason. He recognized the, the uh, 
uh, the drawbacks of a zone system and they exploited those. They played that fluid team ball that, that Miami gave us glimpses of last season and that the Bucks showed at the start of this year when they were trying to show that they can be more than just a Giannis one-man team. What was all of that practice for if you were never going to use it? They put all of that to effect. They got a big win. I think now it's pressure on the Suns to try and make some adjustments. They do have home court advantage. They didn't drop a game at home. There's another game in Milwaukee, but then the series goes back to Phoenix. Anyone who says Milwaukee in six, stop kidding yourselves. There's no way Phoenix loses four games in a row, two of which uh, will be in the valley in front of that crowd. That's not happening. Nor are the Bucks going to suddenly become so ruthless. Remember, this is the same team <clears throat> that as soon as Trey Young went out, instead of killing the series, decided to chill and actually ended up dropping that game and losing Giannis for a few in that process. It's not the highest in terms of maturity or ruthlessness, this team. So I don't see them suddenly becoming that team that comes from 2-0 down and then skewers the other team 6-2, 4-2, uh, sorry. That's not happening. Bucks in 7, maybe. I'd love to see a game 7. I think that's more like it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another great week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you aren't following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Would like to thank the sponsors on the network this week, Cred, Siet, and Global Victoria. Thank you so much for making this possible. On Cyrus Says, Cyrus is joined by the hilarious and extremely charming illusionist and therapist, Sohani Shah. They talk about different aspects of magic like sleight of hand, mind reading, mentalism, and more. The Habit Coach completed 500 episodes, 500, and Ashton has a special message for us on the occasion. Do check that out. We had Lekini Desai, founder of the India Ethnic Company, talk to Varun Dikirala about their story and the Hutke marketing idea that made them popular. On non curry, Sadafinachis celebrated World Chocolate Day. They took us through the origins, history, economics of chocolate, and shared their memories. On Tere Mere Raste, Keshu Chaturvedi shares an interesting story from Leh. Check out an updated version of the Traveling Professor's Diary. It's now rechristened as Smarter with Sid. Same old brain fill with new stories and insights. This time, listen in to know why you should keep things simple. And finally, check out Global Victoria Tech Talks. This one is in partnership with Global Victoria, the trade arm of the government of Victoria and Australia. The edtech and gaming industries are booming in Victoria, Australia, and this series is meant to showcase that. And with that, let's get you back to your show. Where did the suns go from here? I think Aiton's had two quiet games now. Clearly, there's something up there. Uh, something that maybe, it, it seems to be a confidence issue. It seems to be... Uh, something that's fixable, something that's up to the coach. So Monty Williams has his task cut out there because if the Bucks are going to continue playing volleyball, it should be surprising because they don't continue anything. They try, they try something. If it doesn't work, they try something else. If it works, they try something else. That's been the story of their postseason. Every single game against Atlanta, they did this. Against Brooklyn, they did this. It's inexplicable. So... The Bucks are consistently inconsistent. That's them. But what do the Suns do here? If the Bucks somehow, by some miracle, decide to play bully ball again, decide to break down the zone again, that's got to pose some interesting challenges. Because the whole point you play a zone, be it a 2-3 zone or otherwise, any irregular zone formation also, is essentially to cut off driving lanes, to do what? To limit Giannis. The limit is scoring. The Bucks came out aggressive. It wasn't just Giannis. Drew started spraying threes all around. 
and in two of these games Giannis dropped 40 plus game one he dropped 20 and 17 and a bunch of other stat points clearly it's not like the zones paying great dividends you're not stopping Giannis you're just winning games because the other other guys aren't showing up and the coach is in his nose fest so if I were want Monty Williams just wouldn't that be a fantasy maybe maybe they've got to switch things up a bit the zone isn't stopping Giannis because they simply don't have the size and they got exposed to some pretty embarrassing mismatches. Remember the previous game where um, Brook Lopez got caught on the switch so many times? I'm forgetting now. Was it game one where Chris Paul got the switch on Brook Lopez whenever he wanted and then they just poached him? Booker did it to him. Chris Paul did it to him. All of them. The Milwaukee manufactured switches of their own, although it seemed more like a breakdown among the Suns than anything genius that Milwaukee did. But on a number of possessions, Devin Booker was caught in an ISO against Giannis. He's never winning that battle. Not at that end of the floor. At the other end, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. But not, not while defending Giannis. A fair few of those resulted in offensive rebounds where Booker is trying his best to box out Giannis, but it's too much of a mismatch. And he's trying to defend Giannis one-on-one. It's a flyby. It's a, it's a no contest. That should never have happened. So again, all of this boils down to what does Monty Williams do with DeAndre Ayton? Because if they're going to play with size, and if they're going to depart from this zone defense approach to walling off Giannis, Ayton's got to be a big part of that. He did pretty well against a not-to-fit AD in Game 1. And and against Jokic, I thought he was okay. I thought he was alright. The Clippers had nobody to trouble Ayton, really. So he hasn't truly been tested and the first time that he is being tested I, th- I think he's kind of wilted away in game 2 and 3 he has a few numbers here and there but but overall he, especially on the defensive end he's not what he needs to be and he needs to be spectacular because I don't think the zone defense will work for too long unless Milwaukee do their thing of just switching it up for no rhyme or reason and playing some other crappy play style that they're going to discover doesn't work that's really what the Phoenix Suns have to do. Now, they had a terrible three-shooting night. But I guess that compensates for them absolutely catching fire in Game 2, which doesn't happen too often either. So maybe go a little easy on the fans' hearts, Phoenix Suns. Just just shoot your average from three. Just don't, don't give us these sign curve performances. I'm looking forward to the next game. I think the Bucks, the Milwaukee crowd is going to be loud. I don't know if they can match the Valley, but they finally got their win. They must be bloodthirsty. First taste of blood, win in the finals. When is the last time um, the Bucks were here? I think it was when Kareem was there. So they've got to be thirsting for some wins. It's going to be a loud arena. Giannis must be pumped up. He finally has support. Drew Holiday played pretty well. Defense and offense supplemented Giannis on scoring. Middleton had a rather quiet game, but that's all right. I think Giannis and Drew were high on usage rate. And then they brought in Bobby Portis, who was quite inefficient, I must say. But any night that Giannis, your superstar, drops 45, sorry, 41 and 13, was it? And hits 13 of 17 from the free throw line, it's over. They're going to hope that continues. I don't know if the free throw shooting will continue, but the dominance may just. They've got to continue playing bully ball. They've got to continue using their size. And this is kind of the point we've been making from week one, from, from game week one of the finals. Is Giannis and Brook Lopez just don't bother shooting those threes. Going to the low post, Phoenix will have no chance against these guys. 
Aiden can do somewhat of a decent job, maybe contain one of them, but he's not going to stop both of them. If Juru starts lobbing it up to whoever's under the rim, it's going to be tough for Phoenix to contend. And whoever contests will leave the rim open um, for easy pickups at the other end. Kind of like what Brook Lopez did to, to the Bucks in game one. He contested some pretty dumb uh, short attempts, which left the rim exposed, ate an easy rebound swish. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens in game four. I'm kind of hoping for a for a Bucks win. Because I think this series should trend towards a seven-game series. It's who doesn't want a seven-games final series? It should be a. It should be one of those series where after the first six games, everything's cancelled out. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of everyone, and it's just a one-game all-or-nothing sort of game seven that decides the final. Just a one-and-done NBA finals, old-school arcade shootout. That's what I want. So I hope the Bucks pick up a win. But um, that's it from us today, if you haven't noticed. Um, and if the, the orange cross on Monish's face wasn't obvious enough, he's not there for today's episode. Uh, we're going to come back tomorrow. We'll talk about a few transfer rumors since it's an off night. And then let's see what happens in game four. I can't wait. Thank you for joining. Take care. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to check out our other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on our social media. We're at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to us at Triangle Offense, and you know you do, you know you want to reach out to us and tell us that our opinions on your favorite players are trash. You want to tell us Magic Johnson is still better than Steph Curry and you don't think Steph Curry has changed the game. For all that and more, reach out to us at TriOffensePod, that's T-R-I-O-F-F-E-N-S-E pod, on both Instagram and Twitter. If you love cricket, listen up. The Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast is here for you. Hosted by DJ, Varun, and me, Ashwin, we bring a fun, fresh fan's point of view to talking all things cricket. Sometimes it's just the three of us, sometimes we have guests, including current and former international cricketers. For new episodes every week, check out the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast on the IBM app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your five-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure, and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts from.